Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Terry Swan. I'm the senior pastor here at Salem. If we've not met, I'm excited to be over here um, in our modern side of worship, uh, preaching the word this morning. Uh, we are in this sermon series entitled Unafraid, and I've been getting some really good feedback, and I think Tim's been doing a fantastic job um, <laughs> preaching this series. If you have not had a chance to listen to the series, I invite you to go online. You can kind of pull up our app, and the sermons are there, or you can go on our website and, and look at uh, the spot where it lifts up our sermon audio, and you can listen to the series uh, from three different perspectives. Uh, from my perspective, from Pastor Katrina's perspective, from Pastor Tim's perspective, and also Pastor Sheila. She's preaching over on the traditional side today. So you can hear from all of the pastors and how we um, interpret God's word and how we're called to live that word in our life and our society. Uh, I just want to, before I start, I want to lift up Texas. Um, we're praying for Texas. Uh, I'm sure we will get a UMCOR uh, number that correlates to the disaster that's happening from the hurricane. And so if you want to contribute to that, uh, just write in the memo of your check, hurricane, and we will put then the UMCOR number next to that, and we will make sure that that contribution gets to where it needs to. UMCOR is a wonderful organization within our United Methodist family because what happens is every dollar that is contributed to UMCOR goes to that disaster. And I was reading this morning and the best way that we can help right now is through contributions. They're trying to gear up in how they help shelters and things like that. A lot of devastation going on in the Houston area. So we keep the um, Texas people in our prayers. Also we want to lift up John Lum. Uh, he was supposed to be our drummer this morning, had a car accident last night, concussion, so we want to pray for him and make sure that our prayers and support go out to him. I offered to play tambourine, <laughs> but yet turned down once again. They thought it would be a better idea for Ashley to do two jobs, so I, th I, think, I think that was a wise decision. Well, let's pray this morning. Oh, good and gracious God, wash over us your spirit today. Help us to experience you in a way that transforms us. I pray, oh God, that you speak through me, that you use me as your servant today. Help me to get out of the way so that your light might shine. May my words be yours. Be with our congregation. May we have ears to hear your word today. In Jesus' name, we pray this, and we pray for John, and we pray for the people of Texas, and we pray, oh God, that your hand be upon all, our country, all the things on our own hearts today. We lift them up in your name, in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Well, we've been in this series, as I said, Unafraid. We've talked about a few things that people deal with in today's society. The first week, we talked about the fear of failure. 
I don't know about you, but everybody in this room probably has failed at one thing or another. And in that, we lifted up that in God, there are really no failures. They're learnings, right? That God shows us the way and can use all those things that happen in our lives and our journeys to point us in the right direction. Second week, we talked about the fear of the unknown. I called it the fear of what if. We can what if ourselves to death, church, right? No one knows what tomorrow holds. But in Christ, we don't have to worry about what's tomorrow because we know that no matter what happens, God walks with us, right? That we are not alone. And so we talked about that, that fear of the unknown, the fear of what if. And, to, and last week, we talked about the fear of the other. With everything that's going on in our society today, the fear of the other. I thought Tim did a fantastic job last week in addressing some of the things that needed to be addressed. And I want to lift up a quote from Bishop Will Willimon. He's written a book called Fear of the Other, No Fear in Love. And if you want to pick that up or pick it up on Kindle, it's a great read. He says this, Our problem in regard to fear is that we fear the other more than we fear the God who commands us to love each other. Oh, man, that hit me. We fear the other more than we fear God who tells us to love each other. Now, fear God means to what? Respect God. To hold God in esteem. To lift God. It doesn't mean to be afraid of God. It means to respect, revere him, see him as holy. Well, today we're going to talk about something that I believe that all Cardinal fans have had to deal with this season. The fear of loss. Fear of loss. Fear of loss. You know, we, we deal with that in so many different ways. You heard Pastor Tim touch on this last week when he lifted the quote of FDR. What is it? The only thing that we have to fear is what, church? Fear itself. Do you know what, when he said that? He said that in the height, or at the beginning, I should say, of the Great Depression when society and culture was being driven by fear. And they had reason to, right? They had experienced a great loss. This is a movie, a movie clip from Seabiscuit. No suicides on Wall Street that day. It was a myth that would grow over time. The real effect of October 29th took a little longer to sink in. By noon, all the gains of the previous year had been obliterated. By 4 p.m., nearly $10 billion of market value was gone. Over the next two weeks, the hemorrhage continued. And before long, 25% of the workforce was unemployed. A great national migration began. Displaced families took to the American highway in the last possession that remained to them, their automobile. 
And all at once, millions of Americans had a new definition of home. Twenty-nine uh, stock market crash changed a lot of lives, didn't it? And the fear of loss became a stark reality. I, I like movies like Seabiscuit and Cinderella Man because they helped me understand some of the things that my family went through. If you want to watch one of those movies, you can kind of see the, how they juxtapose the, the fear and the hope kind of together. And I love those movies. My dad was born in 1931, and he uh, often tells me of memory of eating eggs because that's all they had. He said he couldn't eat eggs for a long time because every time he would say to his mom, I'm hungry, she would say, you want an egg? Because that's all they had. They had a farm, and chickens were everywhere. They had plenty of eggs, so that's what he got to eat. And so hunger and eggs are a, mem are a memory for him. He's a product of his generation of the, of the Great Depression. Dad never throws anything away. Never throws anything away. I go into the house and I'm going toss, 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 and I'm trying to clean up some things and, and oh, I might need that. I might need that. He's even been known to stop at the local dumpster Yep. And seeing what other people are throwing away, he might need it. It's a product of that time. Joe, uh, tell, my, Joe, my husband Joe tells me his great aunt Maxine was also a product of the time. After she passed away, Joe's mom was in charge of cleaning out her house. And she went into one closet to clean out the closet, and there were stacks and stacks of toilet paper because what did she run out of in the Great Depression, right? So it helps us to understand that this fear of loss was really real. It's hard for us to kind of jump into their shoes of that time, but fear of loss isn't just about things that we have material or a home or things like that. Fear of loss is seen in society today in all kinds of ways, right? The fear of loss of a relative, someone we love. The fear of loss of identity, of income, of job. The fear of loss of our health. The fear of loss of our independence, our freedom. I mean, you can kind of jump into that. What is it that you fear that you would lose? Think about that for a moment. What is it that you would fear that you would lose? I want to talk today about some of the common fears that I believe that every human being kind of wrestles with from time to time. The fear of loss of independence or getting older, the fear of the loss of health, and the fear of death. 
First of all, I want to talk about um, the fear of getting older. You know, it begins early, right? When we're 29, we start looking at what? 30. 30. Now, that just seems unreal to me that I ever feared being 30 years old. But then 30 starts thinking about 40, 40 starts thinking about 50, 50 starts thinking about 60, right? I was with my daughters last night. We're having a kind of a girls weekend this weekend. And um, Holly's 28, and she's already talking about the big 3-0. And I'm thinking, you have no idea. <laughs> no idea. But we, we start to kind of get there. We start to think about what it means to grow older and what does that mean in our lives. Now, why do we do this? I, I can tell you that I'm 54 years old, and I can tell you with all of my heart and my soul, I'm happier than I've ever been. And it, their studies show that well-being kind of grows as we go into those golden years. Can I get a witness from somebody in here? Yeah. They don't call it the golden years for nothing, right? Because the kids have left home. <laughs> and you all of a sudden get to do the things you want to do. And, you, and I, you know, as you're growing older, you, you start to know what you believe, what you experienced over time shapes you, and you know who you are. And so those golden years are, are really, really a wonderful thing. But I know that there are people who fear this loss, especially as they really grow older and lose things, their independence and those kinds of things. I've had numerous conversations with some of our older members who have lost their car, their, their home, you know, just because they no longer health-wise can, can stay in that. But... My aunt is a great example. She's 98 years old. Boy, and she's spunky. I love it. 98 years old. She lost her son when he was 19. That was her only son. She lost her husband much later in life. I think I was 28 at the time when Uncle Bill passed away. Um, and then when she moved into her late 70s, she gave up her home and moved into an assisted living home, and then from there she gave up the car, right? And then when health started to deteriorate, and eyesight started to deteriorate, she had to give up things like her knitting and her needlepoint and sometimes her reading. She, I went into her house the other day, her little apartment in an assisted living home, and she has one of those magnifiers. Boy, you can it blows it up to where she can read anything. She puts that under there. But she's spunky. She's spunky. So she's gone through some of these fears of loss. And now 98, almost 99. She'll be 99 January. She's started to move from that fear into the fear that God's forgotten her. <laughs> I tell her, no, Annie, God's not forgotten you. And she knows it. You know, but... It's so important to have purpose, and she's always had purpose. She's known from the get-go what her purpose was, and that was to be a witness in whatever age or stage of life she's in. And so I give thanks for her witness. We, not, we, we need not fear loss because God has placed us 
in purpose, and God has placed us in community. Amen? We we need not fear being alone or, or losing things or losing independence because God has placed us in community. We're called to kind of step in alongside. Did you know that we have Um, approximately 26 within our community of faith who are homebound, assisted living, or something like that. And we have people who kind of step in and and make sure they're okay, a phone call, a card. Now, if I'm touching on your hearts in a way that you want to participate in that, that means that is a great way that you can be a part of the community of faith. A phone call, a card, a a drive to church. Did you know that's the one thing that I hear the most from our homebound and our people who are in assisted living, that they can't come to church anymore. They miss it. They miss it terribly. So to be the community, to step in alongside, to, to show that we are God's people. Because, you know, it's not all my job, and it's not all Tim's job, and it's not all Sean. It's because scriptures didn't say the pastors are the only one who's supposed to visit, right? What does it say? The scripture says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people who are God's own possession. It doesn't say the minister is the royal priesthood or the minister. No, a people. We are all ministers. And so, therefore, we're all called to participate in how God calls us to be the community of faith. So there's no reason to fear loss because we're in this together, right? We're in it together. Now, I give God thanks for my mom and dad's community. Uh, my mom and dad are in that, moving into that stage where dad was just told he can no longer drive. Moving into that stage, he's 86, mom's 88, and they have neighbors that call me, neighbors that um, will drive them to the doctor, neighbors that will pop in each week and see if they're okay. I thank God for the community, the community of faith, the community of brothers and sisters. So we have the fear of loss of independence or growing older. We also have this fear of the loss of health. Loss of health. We're pretty health conscious this day in today's society, right? How many of you have a Fitbit or something like that where you kind of count your steps? Can I see a, yeah, show offs? (laughs) We are pretty, we're pretty conscious about health. In fact, all you have to do is watch your favorite TV show or your sports event and probably you will see some commercial that comes across there with some new drug that addresses some disease you've never heard of that has a list a mile long of things that could happen to you if you take that drug, right? And the imagination is a powerful, powerful thing because You could sit there and think, I have that symptom, right? Maybe I need to see the doctor. How many of you have ever, like, forgotten someone's name that you know so well or forgotten something that you should have never forgotten and thought, oh, my gosh, I'm getting Alzheimer's? How many of you have ever done that, right? 
I mean, we just do that. How many of you have ever Googled a symptom that you have on WebMD or something like that? All right? I saw this meme that was just priceless, and it says, Google, creating hypochondriacs since 1998. That's it. You, I, I tell people all the time, I mean, I tell people this all the time, do not look it up on the Internet. If they've been diagnosed with something, do not look it up on the Internet because it will freak you out. And it could not be that at all. It, your, your unique body could not handle it in that way or, or address it in that way at all. So don't look it up on the Internet. Don't Google it. It only perpetuates our fears. It only makes our imagination go nuts. Now, you know, I'm having a little fun here, but I, I want to rem remind us, you know, cancer. Let's look, just look at cancer. One thing here. It says, statistics say that approximately 20%, it's a little bit more for males, a little bit less for females, will have cancer in their lifetime. We jump to the 20%, right? We think, oh my gosh, one in four, one in five. That means 80% don't, right? 80% of people do not get cancer. So it's depending on how you kind of, your perspective in life of how you address some of the things. And Jesus had something to say about worry because we can worry ourselves to death about this stuff. It says, therefore I say to you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? Is worrying going to solve anything? Is it going to add a single moment to your life if you worry about it, if you're afraid of it? No. God doesn't promise us that the bad things won't happen. God doesn't promise us that disease won't come or that we'll have a healthy life our entire life or we won't have something that kind of gets in the midst of things. But God promises us that God will be with us, that he will give us the strength needed to sustain, to move forward, and he does that through community, through God's word, through prayer, right? Avril Moore one of our great saints in the church. I loved Averill. She was part of the hiring team when I came on to Salem. And, and she uh, brought me this sign one day because I was worrying about something, worrying about this or that. And she brought me this sign that says breathe. It, says, it stays in my office and it reminds me that sometimes I just need to stop and I just need to breathe in slow down and breathe in the Holy Spirit peace we can live our lives unafraid of fear of loss and growing older independence the fear of losing health when we breathe in God 
and know that we're not alone in this. And then I think all of these kind of stem from this last one. The fear of death. We all know it'll happen to us someday, right? Death is something that happens to each and every person who breathes in and out. But we don't like to talk about it. Preachers know that the three most hated subjects are money, hell, and death. We know that. But sometimes you just have to talk about it. We do have to face death, but we don't have to fear death, church. We don't have to fear death. Jesus came to give us life, life in all of its fullness, not, not only here, now, but eternally. We don't have to fear death because death is not the end. It's just the beginning of a chapter we don't know what looks like. A journey that we can only imagine. I love how Paul says it in Romans. He says, I believe that the present suffering is nothing compared to the coming glory that is going to be revealed to us. The whole creation waits breathless with anticipation for the revelation of God's sons and daughters. We don't have to fear death because it's just an entry into the next chapter or next journey of our lives. Jesus Christ came to show us that. Because on the third day, was there anything in the tomb? No. The tomb was empty. He came to give us life, life in all of its fullness. And he came and walked on this earth, and they crucified him. He died on the cross, was buried in a tomb, and three days later, death had been swallowed up into victory. And he showed us that this was not the end. This was not the end. Look how it says in Hebrews that Jesus came to deliver those who have lived all their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. It says, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who had lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. He came to show us. Came to break those bonds of sin and death. Now, I love the, the song that we sang last week. And if you were here in worship last week, we closed with that song. No longer slave to fear, I am a child of God. Sing it with me. No longer a slave to fear, I am a child of God. Who are you? You're a child of God. You don't have to be a slave to fear. Jesus Christ stepped into your shoes. Jesus Christ came for you, for me. You don't have to be fear, afraid of what's going to happen next because 
He's got it, right? He's got you in his hands. He's got you right here. You know, I love some of the words in Romans, and I pulled up some of the uh, some of these selected verses from the message because the message is a paraphrase. It's an everyday language. And sometimes you just need to hear it in those words to kind of understand what Paul was talking about. He says, God's spirit is right alongside helping us along. If we don't know how or what to pray, it doesn't matter. He does our praying in and for us, making prayer out of our wordless sighs, our aching groans. I don't know about you, but there's sometimes I don't even know what to say to God. And I just sit there in God's presence and I pray and I think, God, you know what's in me, right? He knows us far better than we know ourselves, knows our pregnant condition, and keeps us present before God. That's why we can be so sure that every detail in our lives of love for God is working into something good. God takes all things, it says in the scriptures, and creates them for good. Even cancer. Even heart disease. Even the loss of someone dear to us. Patty um, Peterson, who gave our children's time right down here, do you know she was diagnosed with stage 4 breast cancer 23 years ago? And she's used all of it for good. She talks about the healing service that began the journey. And in that healing service of how she and God had a conversation that she would give her life to children from that day forward. God takes all things for good. Even the death of a child. Patty had the great loss of a grandchild this last year, and she has shown me such a witness of God's love and God's hope. Such pain that I cannot even imagine, because I have grandchildren, I cannot even imagine. And she stands in God's name, in Christ's name, and just holds us close. And we hold her close. So what do you think, Paul says, with God on our side like this, how can we lose? If God didn't hesitate to put everything on the line for us, embracing our condition and exposing himself to the worst by sending his own son, is there anything else he wouldn't gladly and freely do for us? The one who died for us, who was raised to life for us, in the presence of God at this very moment, sticking up for us. Do you think anyone is going to be able to drive a wedge between us and Christ's love for us? Anything. There's no way. Not trouble, not hard times, not hatred, not hunger, not homelessness, not bullying threats, not backstabbing, not even the worst sins listed in Scripture. None of this phases us because Jesus loves us. I'm absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, 
today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Nothing. Some scriptures say, what then shall we say to these things if God is for us who can be what? Against us. Nothing can separate us. Jesus came to show us that. Nothing can separate us. Not the loss of a job. Not the loss of a marriage. Not the loss of a loved one. Nothing can separate us. Not cancer. Not heart disease. Not any disease. Not death. Nothing can separate us. God's in it with us. Absolutely nothing can get between us and God. I invite the church, I mean the band, oh, there's the church, the band to come up um, now. I think sometimes what comes into our hearts and minds is we think this is just too big for me. I don't know how to get through this. The good news is that you don't have to. God's going to walk with you. God's going to bring people alongside, right? And God's going to show up, church, because you are who? God's children. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Nothing gets between you and God.